Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 149, is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SCC. Joining me this week, after a week off last week, enjoying some time off, is Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter, at WillMilesSEC and his site, readandreaction.com. Will, uh, welcome back, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the, the time off. And uh, I know us and, and the Gators Breakdown listeners enjoyed having Jalen Jones on last week. Yeah, man, it was great to listen to him. I enjoyed hearing from a recruit. It's always nice to see something a little bit different. And then I got to get back to everybody panicking a little bit. <laughs> panicking? What are you talking about? I don't know. The sun came up, so we're all good. It's only June, man. I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought we were just mad that the baseball team lost. Ah, hey, I'm not mad they lost. I'm no, actually pretty no. impressed. They, you know, I tweeted out afterwards, and I really meant it that you know you get to the College World Series four straight years, you uh, you know you you get to the Final Four, you have your back against the wall and win some of those games. Baseball is a funny sport. Sometimes the bats go silent. Sometimes the pitcher struggles, and you know I, they need to be proud for what they've accomplished this year and proud for what they've accomplished the last four years. It's really an amazing thing. Hey, when championships are the expectations, you're doing something right. Yeah. So, well, well, that's good because that's the expectation that some people have in the football program. And I'm sure we'll talk about that tonight. Yep. Yep. We sure will. Uh, how was the vacation? How was some time off? Oh, man. We went hiking out in the Cascades and got to see the family. It was good. It's, it's always good to unplug a little bit. I went four straight days without checking my email. It's like a new record since I, <laughs> since I started working. So, uh, so anyway, only a thousand messages to look at when I got back, but uh, it was a good time. Yeah, those emails after vacation are never fun. You know, it takes like a full, just a, a full work day just to go through emails. So. Yeah, well, I don't have that excuse. <laughs> I got to do it on Sunday, but but anyway, it all worked out, and uh, you know, I had some time to write something uh, on uh, over the weekend, so that was good too. All right, so definitely recruiting, recruiting, recruiting is the hot button topic. I will definitely get to it, but remember, you can find all your Gators breakdown episodes, past, present, future, on newsforjacks.com slash Gators breakdown. There you'll find Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. And when using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. Social media out there. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So Will mentioned it. 
Uh, big story for the last week uh, has been the, the state of Florida recruiting and not necessarily the state uh, of Florida, just uh, you know, the Gators in and of itself, uh, what's happening in recruiting for the Florida Gators. Uh, and when I say big story, I do mean big. Uh, this is definitely one where everyone has an opinion, and I don't think right or wrong. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Uh, from, from from Twitter to message boards, this is the topic where, where Gator Nation is already divided <laughs> uh, for for the Dan Mullen era. You know, some take it too far and already making making proclamations that Mullen won't work out here. Uh, you may be right, but uh, in no way should that even be thought about now. Or you know, can you can even think to, to that may be the case. Uh, if you're right, you'll be right way far down the road, uh, not anytime soon. But uh, I have a hard time telling people how they feel. But that, that that's one that, uh, you know, it's going to take some time uh, to even get to that point. So, you know, on the surface, uh, why is Gator Nation split on recruiting right now? Uh, for the not-so-concern, uh, the basis seems to be, hey, look, it's only June. It's early. Uh, it doesn't matter what's happening on the trail since there's still plenty of time left. For the ones that are concerned, it's because uh, a few targets have committed elsewhere or maybe even leaning elsewhere. And, and Florida right now is behind rivals and opponents that are on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I understand why people would be concerned, but I also understand why people wouldn't be, right? I mean, there's if, if you believe that recruiting was an issue that you were going to have to watch closely when Mullen came in, then I think you look at this and go, whoo. Like we, you know, we need to watch this even closer. If you just think that he's going to perform on the field and that's when the recruits are going to come, then you look at it and say, Hey, he hasn't even coached a game yet. How can you judge what he's doing on the recruiting trail? People are going to commit in October, November, December, after they see what the defense is doing under Grantham and what they see the offense is doing under Mullen and see that it wasn't the players, hopefully that were, uh, that were causing the offensive problems last year, that it was the staff and, and their inability to use the players. And, you know, we'll see if that's the case. I mean, certainly, um, you know, early signing period isn't until late December and then, um, or I guess, I don't know exactly when it is in December this year, but then, you know, national signing day, you're talking about the first week in February, that's a long way off. And so, um, you know, what is, what is the path to a successful February, I think, is what everybody's looking at. And the question is, do you have to be having a successful May, April, June, July in order to have a successful February? And that's sort of, um, you know, what what I tried to look at this week and, and I think what people are struggling to, to sort of understand. Yeah, as we said, uh, the, the, it is, it, it, the fan base is, is split. Uh, a lot of... A lot of the opinions both ways. I threw a poll out last week. We'll get to that. A lot of opinions from from you Gators Breakdown listeners. So thank you. Uh, probably more feedback from that poll question than we've ever received, Will. So, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're eagerly awaiting the season, and this is kind of what happens, you know, when, when there's not games to talk about and it's getting closer and closer. Uh, preseason magazines are out, but it's not uh, it's not deterring Gator Nation from thinking about recruiting uh, in, the, in the way it goes right now. But uh, speaking of right now, where Florida stands, according to 24-7, 32nd in the nation in recruiting right now, 10th in the SEC with four four stars and six three stars. So, you know, Will, uh, I'll go ahead and, and just kind of starting. I personally do have a hard time putting a, a label on Mullen that he since he hasn't even coached a game yet. Uh, that, that's the I think taking a little bit too far. Could things be better on the trail? Absolutely. Should there be concern? I won't blame anyone for for having some creep in with the slow start. But it doesn't mean it ends this way, you know. I, I, me personally, if people follow me long enough, I'm, I'm a more of a taking a wait and see approach. I'm not making any predictions on how this is going to pan out for the 2019 class. Uh, I'm not an immediate, you know, reactionary type of person. 
it is late June, plenty of time to get guys in the fold. And I know it sounds like, you know, I'm straddling defense here. Uh, I think that can happen with the stage we are at right now in recruiting, you know, and throughout this episode, it will sound like I'm contradicting myself here as we discuss this because <laughs> look, as we, as we mentioned, I do see both sides of this in a way. I do see the argument uh, goes both ways. I don't blame anybody for feeling one way or the other. And we're, we're going to present both sides uh, of the argument here. You know, and we all know how important it is to, to recruit the, the great talent to compete. We know, we all know how important it is to, to coach and develop that same talent. And many are using the chicken or the egg argument in regards to recruiting, you know, and maybe Mullen isn't the, the come right in the door, start producing on the trail for whatever reason, you know, whether it be the, the staff isn't up to par or the, or the UF brand is in need of repair, facilities are down, whatever the reason, maybe it's not a fast fix on the trail. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I tried to answer, or at least I went into, I went into the, uh, to the process of trying, I was trying to be positive and say, hey, we've got a long way to go. And I started looking at what date might be important for, um, to really take a look at where Mullen is and what that means. And so what I came up with, and I think is, is a reasonable thing, is August 1st is the key date. And the reason I did that is when I looked, when I went back and looked at, um, you know, Mullen's bump class here in 2019, then McIlwain in 2017 and 2016, Muschamp in 2013 and 2012, and Meyer in 07 and 06. What I saw was if you calculated the number, if they calculated the ratio of top 300 recruits to total recruits, that ratio stayed the same between August 1st and all the way to National Signing Day. So if you had 30%, so McIlwain in 2017 signed 50% top 300 players through August 1st. So he had four top 300s out of eight total commits. And he finished that season with 43%. So 50 to 43 is sort of the drop there. In 2016, he signed 25% um, top 300 players and he finished with 28% at, at National Signing Day. And if you go, you go through the list, Muschamp in 2013, 57% before August 1st, 57% after or at National Signing Day. Muschamp in 2012, 67% before August 1st, 68% final. So there's a definite correlation between the ratio of blue chip players to total commits before August 1st, before a game is ever played, and what it ends up at at National Signing Day. And if you go and look at other programs, it's the same thing. Kirby Smart, 70% blue chips in him, his bump class before August 1st. He ended up at 65%. The one was right in that 310, 315 range. Um, James Franklin, who's somebody who's kind of compared to Mullen in terms of being at a mid to lower tier SEC school that has a his, that doesn't have much of a history and building that into a relatively consistent winner, goes to Penn State. In his bump class, he had um, 8 of 15, so 53% of his players were blue chips before August 1st, and that dropped to 44% afterwards, but that's because two were ranked 306th and 316th, so still four-star candidates, but outside of the top 300 that I was measuring. And if you count those guys, that raises the average to 52, so you're going from 53 to 52. So it's pretty consistent in the examples that I've looked at that if you look at August 1st and say, hey, this guy has four of eight, that he's going to have 12 or 13 out of 25 at the final. And so what this indicates is that performance on the field does not reflect, you don't see a bump. You might get a guy or two because of performance on the field, but you also, you know, at the end of the day, it's not making a major difference in terms of the ratio of blue chip players. So right now, Mullen is at three top 300 players out of 10 total recruits. So he's at 30%. Now, if he adds four guys 
before August 1st at Friday Night Lights, if he adds four guys, now he's up to seven and 14. He's up to that 50% rate. That's pretty good. That's right where James Franklin was. You're probably talking, you know, borderline top 10 class. But if he doesn't get anybody, <laughs> now you're talking 30%. And that's going to end up around a 16 or a 17 class. And I think that's the extreme end. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to sign a couple after Friday Night Lights, a couple before August uh couple before August 1st, but the idea that he's going to get them into a top seven or top eight class means he's got to bring in about six more top 300 guys in the next month, month and a half. And, you know, is he going to be able to do that? Well, that's something we're going to have to see. Yeah. You know, two things about waiting until the season. First of all, the longer you wait, naturally there's going to be less targets. So, you know, some, we know Florida's after some targets in July. We you know we'll get to those players later. Um, you know, were they going to commit to Florida? Are they leaning elsewhere? Can, can Florida get something going? Uh, with we, you know, Most of these California kids that would be committing in, in July. We mentioned Friday Night Lights. Can they can they get a couple there? But if you know, if you're waiting till August, September, October, November, you know, eventually, you know, the numbers for, of targets are, are going to dwindle. You know, they'll start other, other targets will be committing to other schools as well. And also, starting in August when fall camp starts, recruiting kind of takes the back seat. Yes, you have official visits for for uh, guys that will be visiting campus on, on game weekends and all that. But once fall camp starts, you know, the, 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 the focus is on installing this offense, installing this defense. You know, this is new for Mullen. You know, there, there's a lot of coaching that has to go on. Recruiting will take a backseat once August starts. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true. I think if you look historically, um, about half of the class typically – or. Half of the blue chip players, the five star, the four star and five star players typically sign before December 1st. And if you look and if you go back into the October 1st range, you're at 40 percent. And then prior to May, you're talking 28 percent. So a couple of months ago, I wrote something about recruiting and said, hey, we're only a quarter of the way through. We don't need to be concerned. And you would say, oh, we're going to be halfway through by December 1st. Typically, the problem is, is that we now have this early signing period. No one's entirely sure how that's going to correlate. And if you look right now. 56% of the five-star candidates have already committed and 50.2% of the four-star candidates have already committed. So there is a definitive uptick this year in terms of the number of candidates who have decided to make that decision early. Typically, you're not getting to 50% until December. And right now we're there and it's just June 26th. So yeah, this early signing period has changed a lot already. Well, and if you go back, I actually linked to it in my article. There was an article that was looking at Alabama and talking to some of the guys who were involved in the recruiting at Alabama last year after National Signing Day. And they kind of admitted that they had bungled the early signing period mm -hmm. and that they were going to have to make changes. Well, I think one of the changes they've made is they've really pushed for some of the elite guys to make commitments early. And it's not a it's not a surprise now that Alabama is sitting there in first place right now by a pretty considerable margin. In, a, in other words, the number of recruits <laughs> and quality. In other words, Kirby Smart pissed off uh, 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 Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's a competition and it's cutthroat. And, and you know, I don't think it should be a surprise. But I'll tell you what, Georgia isn't doing too bad either right now. Oh, so yeah. They have the same commits, number of commits as Florida, but the quality is mind-boggling. Yeah, well, all 10 of them are top 300 and four of them are top 100. And again, I already said Florida has three top 300 and zero top 100. And if you look, 
Florida State has two top 100 guys. Alabama has six. Georgia has four. LSU has two. Mississippi State has two. If you look at the top 300 percentages, it's 83% for Florida State, 94% for Alabama, 100% for Georgia, 40% for LSU, 44% for Mississippi State, and 30% for Florida. So all the rivals, all the people that Florida is going to play on a yearly basis um, are 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 outpacing them thus far. Again, he's relatively new to the program. Does he have silent commits? He's still got Friday night lights. You know, this is something where I do think we have to wait until August 1st to look at this, but I don't think you can say, well, let's wait until December or let's wait until February. That's not what the numbers say. The numbers say that on-field performance does not improve the quality of your recruits. If you look at if you look at Kirby Smart, I mean, he's significantly increase the quality of recruiting in his bump class at Georgia in his second year. But they came but that's coming off of an eight and five season. Now eight and five doesn't sound too bad, except they were ten and three the year before. They had a worse offense in that first year under Smart. They had a worse defense in that in that first year under Smart. And they lost, somehow, the, they lost to Vanderbilt. <laughs> and somehow with and 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 I mean geez, that Tennessee game where they lost was just a coaching yeah. debacle. Yeah. So you look at that and say, okay, he didn't show a whole lot of acumen from a coaching perspective on the field in terms of in-game stuff. The defense got worse, even though he's a defensive coordinator, and the offense got worse, even though he had a five-star, <laughs> five-star freshman in Jacob Eason playing quarterback. What was it on the field that made all those guys commit? Probably nothing. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what we see over and over and over again when we start looking at these numbers. I mean, again, Urban Meyer was was very, very successful on the field. You don't see an uptick from August in 2007. So they, they win the national championship in 2006. And in 2007, he had 70% blue chips before August 1st, and then 68% final. So before the season, he's got 70% blue chips. They win the national championship, and after the season, he's sitting at 70% blue chips, essentially. Like, there was no uptick, and you would expect there to be a significant uptick. Just logically, it makes sense. This is this is what you should see. In fact, this is one of the things I think I got wrong. I was critical of the spring game because I thought it was an opportunity to show progress on the field. One of the things that sort of bothered me about that is, hey, this is an opportunity to show that you've progressed. Turns out, I'm not sure it matters because if the real games don't matter, the spring game sure as hell doesn't matter. <laughs> and so, you know, again, I got worked up and, and in some capacity, you know, hey, my mistake because the statistics don't don't reflect that, that it makes a difference. So what does make a difference, I think, is that elite recruiters are elite, non-elite recruiters are non-elite, and you're going to kind of, and, you know, you may need to make some staff changes and things like that if you find that your classes are not panning out the way they are. But again, June 26th is not August 1st. And I think August 1st is where you really have to take a look and say, okay, now we've had Friday Night Lights. They had an opportunity to press some of these guys for commitments. If they're still sitting at a low number of top 300 guys in terms of a ratio based on their total commits, I think we need to be worried. Hey, may, maybe Florida's a big enough program to where that does hold some validity uh, of waiting until the season. You know, Florida is a lightning rod program. May, maybe so. But ultimately, you know, if this is kind of what we're still looking at, Around August first, you know, where we're still, you know, maybe Florida still brings a couple recruits a- along the way, but still, you know, behind the rivals and behind teams they're playing, you know, maybe this ultimately what the what the formula could be, and I think what it could be uh, is he'll show good results on the field uh, that'll lead, you know, to better recruiting, 
Uh, but it'll be a steady rise to better recruiting. It won't be year one. It'll just be, you know, year two, a little bit better, year three, a little bit better. Uh, On-field results get better as Emory Jones comes in, takes over at quarterback. You start seeing it to be kind of small steps to all of a sudden you start showing good results in the field and people just want to be a, a part of that as it takes place time and time again. Maybe it's not in year one you come on the field, you get okay results. Maybe it's good result, good results, good results, good results, building upon themselves year after year. And then finally, it's just kind of, kind of like how Spurrier did in a way. Uh, you, you go back and, you know, it's just exciting to play for Florida and people just want to be a, a part of it. Maybe the, 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 the game on the field itself helps recruiting eventually. You know, but my worry is if we go look at year one and it is we want to see results, recruits want to see results, what happens if – the results don't come don't come right away. Do you fall even further behind? Is you know if, if this is going to be the strategy or the result, then the on field results need to happen pretty fast to avoid falling behind too far. You know I, I do tend to lean that some recruits need to see results on, on the field before wanting to commit to Florida, but I'm not putting that as the as the blanket excuse for for the rest of the class. You know there are ten guys in the class now uh, that are choosing not to wait, and Mullen has sold de- uh, sold them on his vision or or, or his history uh, uh, to be able to get them in this class. You know I expect a few more before the season starts, but I have a hard time believing that the prevailing thoughts from a lot of the targets out there is they want to see uh, results on the field. Some of them, sure, uh, but you know to to extend this for the ones that that, that might be waiting. What type of results are, are these recruits looking for? Is it wins? Is it style of offense? We saw Jim McElwain win, but with an ugly offense, didn't necessarily help. Uh, you know, it probably definitely is a or definitely is a combination of both. I do believe Mullen is a is a great X's and O's game day coach, and maybe they put themselves in good position going into the season, and and then the season rolls around, and, and there's big wins in Knoxville uh, and or Stark, Starkville, big wins at home versus LSU and South Carolina, go to Tallahassee at the end of the season uh, and end the season on a high note. You know, those things would definitely help, but you don't want to have to rely on this trying to finish the class. You know, many of the targets may commit elsewhere while waiting for the results. The talent pool would definitely shrink. The further we get into the season, you might you might can flip a couple of targets, but you know that's not the right way of going about recruiting. Most most commits don't, you know, as much as we see flips, you know, most recruits, if you're looking at a single class, if you're looking at your class, don't commit and flip. You know, you want to have them locked up as soon as possible. But I do believe there are some recruits, not most, uh, not the majority, not the majority that want to see the product on the field. Um, so, you know, I can't, I hate to keep harping on, on McElwain's first year and just how it seemed Florida was picking up steam on the, on the trail with the big and fun wins versus Tennessee and Ole Miss, but there, there was an uptick in, in how recruits felt. So, you know, would that have amounted to anything at the end of the, at the end of the cycle that first year, who knows, but the interest, interest definitely picked up then. So, I can see why some fans feel the the need to say and, and honestly feel the way that hey, Florida comes out, it's exciting again. We're scoring points. You know, it's you, you're seeing uh, the shovel pass that we love so much from with the Tebow to Hernandez. We see similar plays like that. We see wide open receivers down the field. It, it's exciting. The, the swamp is the swamp again. But Will, as you pointed out, I just don't know how much that difference can make. Well, it sounds great, and it makes sense to say that if the performance is on the field, of course people are going to want to come. And I do think that on a single-player 
level, that can be true. That there's a DB sitting there going, I want to see how I'm going to fit in Grantham's system at Florida, or I want to see what Trey Dean's going to do because they've said that I'm going to sort of fill his role or, you know, or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, I'll fill his role when I come in if I'm a DB. Like maybe that's what they're looking at. Um, there just isn't any statistical evidence that it's true that I can find. Now, if someone can find some statistical evidence that changes my mind, then that's great. But I mean, you sort of mentioned showing it on the field. Well, Urban Meyer left and in, in uh, 2011, Will Muschamp goes seven and six, right? The offense struggled. There wasn't a whole lot of improvement in terms of quality of stuff on a quality of play on the field. He brought in 68 or 67% top 300 guys, um, before August 1st, he went in 68% post August 1st. You talked about McIlwain in his first year. He went 10 and 4, and until Greer got suspended, really, really looked good in terms of that the program was progressing, that it was making progress. Treon Harris comes in and struggles a little bit. But I mean, you know, if you're a recruit, you're sitting there going, look at what he did with a program that had already struggled. That's really impressive. But again, before August 1st, 25% top 300 guys and final 28% top 300 guys. So there was essentially no bump from what happened on the field. And I, I have not been able to find an example where there is one. Now, the example you gave in terms of showing it on the field and that having an impact in 2020, you can start to see that impact in the statistics that I've looked at. So James Franklin is another good example where until they started winning games at Penn State, he was more in the 13 to 15 range in terms of national recruiting ranking. Last year, he was fifth. And so there has been an uptick in recruiting at Penn State because he has been able to win games. Now, you know, Penn State had way worse than 13th to 15th rated recruits before James Franklin got there. So there was also a pretty significant uptick from, from Bill O'Brien to James Franklin. He gets those guys in. He gets Moorhead as the offensive coordinator. He finds his quarterback in McSorley, and all of a sudden they're scoring points, and, and there's that uptick. So, um, you know, again, is, if, yeah. if Mullen can find a quarterback and there's an uptick and they win, I do think that impacts 2020. Yeah. So I think when people say show it on the field, that's the recruiting class where showing it on the field matters. There you go. I think, I think right you now, said that, I was going to go that way, and you you, st- you stole it right before I could. I was going to definitely say that. The, what what this what I think this season can help is the 2020 class more than the 2019 class. Sure. And so then it's a matter of resetting our expectations, because my expectation, especially after the early signing day, where I thought that Mullen or not even just the early signing day, the national signing day last year in his transition class, I thought Mullen was very could be compared very favorably with Zook, Meyer, and Muschamp, and was definitely a step up from the from a recruiting perspective on McIlwain, just from what he did in the limited time he had there. Now that's not to say that he's not going to be able to show that he's a step in front of McIlwain this in this case. But I think that it's reasonable to say by August 1st we'll know. And in that case then we'll say, okay, it's the expectations are we're going to be in somewhere in the 10 to 13 range, not in the three to five range, which is I think what you need to have consistently to long-term compete with Alabama and Georgia. So then we have to say it's a longer view. We have to say, okay, the expectation cannot be to compete with Alabama and Georgia on a year-to-year basis consistently until we win enough on the field that we can get our recruiting to uptick that we can then compete on the field on a consistent basis. So again, I, I don't I feel that's the way it might go. Well, I think it's going to have to, if, if things don't <laughs> uptick, but again, we're not to August 1st yet, Yep. but anybody saying wait till February just is burying their head in the sand instead of looking at what historically has happened. 
And, you know, I can't find examples. Now, I haven't looked at every coach in every situation, but at Florida, I haven't been able to find an example of, of a guy who struggled before August 1st, all of a sudden was really good on the field, and then there was a huge uptick. Hey, hopefully it happens. There are outliers all the time, and maybe there are people waiting because it's been a long time since Florida's won, because they have options, um, you know, and, and, and maybe it'll happen. I hope it does. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be wrong and have Florida be good than be right and have Florida be bad. So I hope I'm wrong. I, I just worry that I'm not, that, that this really is reflective of, of um, you know, the quality of players that Florida's going to bring. The other thing I should say is that holistically, I think it's pretty clear that four-star and five-star candidates are important to build a program long-term. That does not mean that any individual three-star guy will not turn into a star, right? It's just you, the probability that a four-star or a five-star will turn into an outstanding player is higher than the probability of the three-star. A three-star player is still one of the top probably 2,000 people in the country every year. And so I'm still going to celebrate them when they commit. It is not a reflection on that player, and it's not a reflection really on Mullen bringing in a three-star guy that they think is better. But these recruiting services have professionals who are paid to evaluate these guys. And if you look at the data, the recruiting services have done a pretty good job of evaluating them. They miss some, that is true, and they hit on many more than they miss. And so I think when you look at that, you can say, okay, from a broad scale to compete consistently, this is where we need to be. And so then it's a question of, can Mullen get you there? Anybody calling for Mullen to be fired is, is, is definitely extreme before he's played a game, right? But I think you can say, okay, well, we need to reset our expectations because this is not going to be a competing for the SEC championship and then competing for a national championship in years two and three, like Saban. And last year, Kirby's competing for a national championship with, with, with Georgia really, really early. And if you look at the way most national championships are won, I think over the last like 13 or 14 years, Jimbo Fisher, other than Debo Swinney, Jimbo Fisher is the guy who's, who's, taken the most amount of time, and that was four years. Uh-huh. And he was a very dynamic recruiter as well. I mean, Saban's won a bunch. Urban Myers won a bunch. Um, you know, Kirby's gotten to the game. Saban's won a ton. And then you got Dabo. And Dabo is really the only outlier who's been in sort of the 10 to 15 range, not the 1 to 3 range. And so it can be done, but it also requires an elite, elite quarterback because he had both Taj Boyd and he had Deshaun Watson. And those guys were you know, top 40 players in the country when they came in and they can cover some holes. Yeah. I think going back to a year ago and this was a team, you know, it, they didn't show it on the field, but I, you know, had a slow start ended with a flurry uh, and being one of the top classes of the national signing day, you know, Texas, Texas went seven and six last year. Uh, didn't have to show it on the field and slow start. Wonder people wondering if Herman could recruit the state of Texas, uh, and ended up, you know, with a with a with a killer class uh, come National Signing Day. So, you know, th- there are examples like that as well. So, where as again, the on field result didn't matter, but when it, when when it was all weighted out, when National Signing Day was co- had come and gone, Texas was up there near the top. Yeah, and I haven't gone to look at Herman's percentages, but I would bet he had a fairly fairly high percentage of blue chip players prior to August first. And then you see that in the in the final, but that's something I'll have to go look at because I have not gone to look at Texas to see what the recruiting looked like before August first 
in in Herman's last class, but that would be my suspicion is that that percentage was pretty high going into the season and that the percentage didn't change. So again, this isn't that at August 1st, you signed no more good players. Right. <laughs> it's, it's that if it's that if you signed one top 300 for every, you know, for every guy below that 300 coming into August 1st, that's what you do moving forward from there. So the quality of your class in terms of just overall sort of, you know, if, if, if you look at 24-7 and they rank things, you know, 94, 93, 92, if you're a 92 August 1st, you're going to be a 92 in February. If you're a 90 in August 1st, you're going to be a 90 in February. That's just sort of what historically has happened. All right, Will, so continuing uh, the thoughts of, of recruiting here, and why and why some fans feel the way to do most of this stems from watching Florida State, Miami, Georgia, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU have classes ranked higher than, than Florida right now. And, and fans know you you can't fall behind uh, these schools. It's it is only June, but some of these classes aren't finished either. And also uh, they're going to garner more commits. You know, no doubt in my mind, Florida will also rise. They're, they're going to gain more commits. They'll rise in the rankings, uh, you know, but how much and how many rivals and opponents will also, you know, have close to the same type of classes or better when it's all said and done. Um, you know, and, and we've said it, you know, and talking about this, you know, look, recruiting is not the end all be all here. It is a major part of it and, and probably more than I wish it was. But, you know, development does come into play here. And that's what we definitely uh, laud uh, Mullen for and being able to develop uh, his players. But I'd rather see him develop four and five star guys that fit his system because we know that's how you consistently compete. For, for titles playing in the SEC. So when we mentioned Georgia and, you know, we get the, 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 the brush back, you can't compare. Yeah, you can. This is a team Florida plays every year and you're in the state of Florida. You have, you are Florida. And yes, we know the brand has taken a hit, but you have to compare it to the teams you play. South Carolina, Will Muschamp up there in the rankings, Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt recruiting just as well as Florida right now with a guy who hasn't even coached a game yet. Mississippi State, Dan Mullen just left there, had a flurry this past weekend, uh, a big top recruit. So, you know, you, we can't can't fall too far behind here uh, when looking at those schools. But, you know, still time uh, to, 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 to make that up. But uh, that's where a lot of the angst comes from is seeing rivals, former coaches, former locations, a guy who hasn't even coached a game yet and prove it, be in front of Florida right now. Yeah, I think we need to be a little bit careful in that there are a significant amount of teams that have lower overall quality players than Florida. You know, they may have signed 13, 14 guys. Florida's mm -hmm. only signed 10. And so in the overall rankings, they're lower. Now, at the end of the day, everybody's going to have a round 25. And so the quality of the player that you signed is more important. And if you put it in that context, a couple of days ago when I looked at this, Florida ends up around 17th, not whatever, 32nd, like you said. Right. Um, so, you know, it's only going to take signing a couple of blue chips and they're going to go flying up that board. But once that's you get up, once you get up into that, what, that's what, that is one thing I, I do like. We, while we do look at the basic recruiting rankings, I am more of a, a fan of the average star rating and kind of basing your class on that. Well, yeah, I did some stuff, uh, I think early in the winter um, where I looked at how many guys panned out from a class. And when you looked at four and five star guys, it wound up being about 50% of the people who 50% of the four and five stars who eventually contributed to the team. And, you know, I had defined contribution various ways, but basically, you know, 
if they had contributed or started in some capacity, I said, okay, there's a check mark. And it was about 50% of those guys. The three stars was considerably lower. And so that's really what you're looking at is from a contribution standpoint, if you're bringing in four and five stars, those guys on a percentage basis contribute more often. Um, and if you look at it, Florida State is at 230 for their average national ranking. Alabama's 131. Georgia's 123. LSU's 286. Mississippi State's 401. And Florida's 482 right now. So you put in, but that's only 10 guys. So you put in a couple of top 100 guys and they jump that relatively quickly. Um, so again, I, I, there's two things here. One is I am... I am not necessarily bullish on Florida's recruiting right now because of what I've seen, but I'm going to wait until August 1st to come up with any conclusions in terms of where this class is going to be. I will say that August 1st, we're going to have to recalibrate our expectations if things don't change and just say, okay, this is where we're at. This is likely where we're going to finish. It's not the end of the world, but it is where we're going to finish. And so you can't say, hey, in year two, Florida's going to be competing for the SEC. I think that's probably not true. I think the other thing that we can say is that Mullen is going to show an uptick in offense for two reasons. One is I think he's a very, very good offensive mind. The other is, is I think that the previous administration was not necessarily uh, necessarily capable of doing the best they could have with the talent that they had. And so I think what? we're going to <laughs> – was that a, a diplomatic <laughs> enough way of saying that? So <laughs> So, I mean, you know, I'm bullish on how Florida is actually going to look on the offensive side of the ball. I'm less so on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm pretty bullish on the offensive side of the ball. The other thing is historically, when you look at it, the offenses do not need as high of a talent level as the defenses to excel. Mm -hmm. um, I had an article earlier this year where I talked about top five offenses and top five defenses and the place where the recruiting was the biggest deal was the defensive line and the linebackers. And the place where it was actually the lowest deal was the offensive line and the quarterback. Those, those were places where it didn't matter quite as much. So guys like Mackenzie Milton, um, guys like Baker Mayfield, like those guys come in and can sometimes be stars and be overlooked. It doesn't happen near as often on the defensive line. So again, if you're looking at how a class is constructed, I think it's much more important to have four and five star guys at the defensive line and the linebacker position than it is to have them at the quarterback and the offensive line position. I think you can find three star offensive linemen who can protect your quarterback and who will grow into a role. I think it's much harder to find three-star defensive linemen who will be major difference makers coming off the edge to sack the quarterback in the SEC. I think that's just what the statistics say. So again, I think not only do we need to look at star ratings, but we need to look at who the players are, what position they play, and whether the star rating is as important for their position as it might be someplace else. Um, so again, I, I think Florida's offense is going to improve. I think people are going to see some stuff on the field. I just don't believe, based on what I've seen, that that increased performance is going to result in an uptick in recruiting. And that's what the article was saying. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a uh, indictment of anyone. It's just the reality. So you know, we have our, uh, uh, you know, we we can't call him co-host anymore, Bill Sykes. We have to call him contributor now. Uh, so you know, behind the scenes, we we'll still talk a lot, uh, me, you, and Bill. But uh, he still provides us with, with plenty of talking points and, and wanted to share his thoughts on a. Uh, you know, how to, how to get a good discussion on, on this topic. Uh, he made this topic on the Swamp 24-7 message boards and kind of asked us to share it uh, as well. And it made for some good quality back and forth here. So his first point is, remember that every cycle is marked by a series of up and downs. Momentum fluctuates throughout the year, every year. Right now, it looks horrible. A few weeks ago, it felt like everybody was coming. Instead of assigning value to the moment, look at the ceiling of what's possible. Look at the floor, follow the visits, and assume the truth lies somewhere in the middle. So 
as I mentioned, you know, some of the negative negativity of, of the recruiting comes off of what we recently saw happen this past week uh, in the world of recruiting. FSU and Mississippi State, great momentum last week. You know, right now we're coming off one of those down weeks where your biggest in-state rival and, and, and Mullen's former school received commitments. Uh, a lot of negativity has come Mullen's way, uh, you know, from for, from the, the Bulldogs uh, with the way they're recruiting without him there. So now and there could be reasons for this that have nothing to do with Mullen. You know, the state of Mississippi has more usual top talent in the state, and, and with Ole Miss on probation, you know, those two things could could only be helping uh, Joe Moorhead there. You know, he gets recruits, but you know, but the fact still remains that you know Mississippi State is bringing in blue chip recruits. Kept Nathan Picker, Pickering from Mullen uh, in Florida, and and many Mississippi State fans and media members are, are attributing the recent rise of recruiting to Dan Mullen not being there anymore. So. There are other factions out there, Will, that are also throwing shade and mostly from the Mississippi State side uh, of, you know, kind of glad Mullen's no longer there, clearly because and solely because of recruiting. Yeah, I think they're going to rue that a little bit. Uh, you know, the more I've looked at Nick Fitzgerald, I think he got quite a bit out of him. And I'm going to be interested to see whether Moorhead can get the same kind of production. If he tries to run the offense he ran at Penn State, I think he's going to have some real issues. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, what happens on the field when it comes to Florida versus Mississippi State, and again, down the road in 2020 and 2021, what happens on the field is really going to be what's important. So he may win this battle. He may win this round. There certainly are a lot of blue chip guys in Mississippi, which is kind of unusual right now. And who, the, who wants to go to Mississippi right now? <laughs> there, there really isn't any in-state in-state rivals, and you know the in-state rival that Mullen was recruiting against at his time there was a pretty dynamic recruiter who was pretty clearly cheating. And so, cheating goes on, I would imagine, in every program, <laughs> every yeah. Power Five program in college football. But I think it's not quite as brazen as what was going on down at down at Mississippi, based on all the allegations. And so, I do think we need to take that into account. Um, you know, Mississippi State, not a blue blood program. Florida, clearly a blue blood program. There, I actually do think performance on the field in 2020 and 2021 will really will really take care of any gap you see. Now, obviously, if Moorhead comes in and they go 11 and one this year and and blow Florida out when they go to go to Starkville, well, then you got to have a little bit different opinion. But we're a long way from that place, and uh, and I'm not ready to annoy anybody, King. I mean, what Mullen did in Starkville is very very impressive. It's something that other people haven't been able to do. And, you know, he may be a coach who has some shortcomings, and we're going to have to accept that. At this point, though, again, ha hadn't done anything on the field, haven't gotten to August 1st, haven't gotten to February 7th. Um, I think you're still going to have to give him some time at least to um, – before you even start recalibrating expectations. But I do think that in a month or two we'll know, and we can start recalibrating those expectations a little bit. Um, the other thing I liked about what Bill said was sort of, you know, look at the ceiling. The truth is somewhere in between. I mean, if you look at where, if they got eight out of their 15 top 15 targets, so really that's eight of the top 126 players in the country, and then they added seven four stars who were sort of in the 300 range, um, you know, a little bit below 300, but still in that four star range, their score would be 284, which would traditionally be seventh overall in the nation. So that's sort of a reasonable ceiling, I would think, because that means they've signed 15 blue chips, no other three stars, and eight top eight top 300 guys and probably six or seven top 100 guys. That's a pretty decent haul, especially based on where you are now. But it would still only be 44% top 300 players. Um, but again, I mean, 
you're still talking the seventh ranked recruiting class in the country. If he gets there, hey, I think I think that's a pretty decent haul. I mean, I would obviously love to see top three. I think that's what's necessary to win. I think other Florida coaches have gotten there. But, you know, you have to sit, sit there and say, if Mullen is really as good a coach as we think he is, and he brings in top seven classes, is he going to be able to compete enough to get those classes to improve over the next two or three years? Yeah, I think that's possible. You know, and and that's kind of what go, what it goes to right now is we know the dead period's coming up, and you know it's not a complete dead period. There's still there's still uh, ways to communicate. You know, just no face to face communication uh, right now. But with the dead period coming up, and you see the, the, these flurry uh, of recruits from other schools, you know it, that it, that's kind of what led to everything kind of culminating uh, to the to the negative side uh, of the recruiting world for Florida right now. In just a few short weeks, it could. Turn on, it could turn on its head. You know, we, we talked about the, the Cali connection here. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was kind of risky going with, with the California kids. It may or may not pay off right now. East tight end Ethan Ray, we'll kind of see uh, where he goes. You know, th- there could be some so, some love for Florida there. Chris Dill, uh, rumors of him committing to, to USC from uh, their rivals guy out there. So a lot of, you know, some ugliness going on there, but uh, rightfully so for, uh, I guess, them trying to break the news and still uh, having a video go out there. Wide receiver Micah Pittman, you know, probably Florida Oregon battle there right now. That kind of seems to be the thought. You know, Ethan Ray, Micah Pittman kind of seems, if you go out to the to the Cali side right now, kind of seems to be the two guys that could be Gators uh, when it's all said and done. And look, th- those guys are probably going to make some decisions pretty soon. It, you know, it, it could the, the negativity that we see right now, it could be in just a, a couple short weeks, turn on its head, and, and, and you know, Florida starts getting some momentum again going into Friday Night Lights. Uh, but as I mentioned, the, the out-of-state thing was it was a risk. You know, Nick Cross coming off his FSU visit looks to be an FSU lean right now. Nathan Pickering uh, commits to Mississippi State. So then I think you have to you have to turn it to the in-state targets and, and what it's looking like there. Lloyd Summerall, I think, really good chance Florida ends up getting him. Quayshawn Fuller. Look, you might get him a flip from FSU uh, after Derek Hunter commits there. You know, I think uh, there's a really good chance Florida gets him. Keon Zipperer, the tight end that Florida's in on, uh, going going hard after. You know, there's names there that uh, you know, looking at the negativity that happened this past week. Those are names right there that I think really could just turn this thing around, and maybe sometime soon. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I, I think maybe this is one place where you could really say this is where I'd be concerned about just the general process, right? I mean, we always talk about process. Don't focus on the results, focus on the process. And one of the things that does worry me is historically Florida has not pulled a ton of players out of California. And there's a reason for that, right? I mean, how many people who are living in Los Angeles go, oh, I really want to live in Florida. I mean, I love Florida, but Los Angeles is a really nice place to live too, and it's much closer to your home. So pulling four or five guys from that place is is, is going to be difficult. It's a high variance strategy, right? I mean, you're going out there and you're saying we're gonna we're gonna commit resources to bring these guys in. If you get three or four of them, you probably end up with guys who have higher levels of talent than the guys you may have gotten had you focused on in Florida exclusively. Or maybe you bring in more guys with more talent if you're successful. The question is, it's an opportunity cost question. A flight out to California is is much more time consuming and much more expensive than driving up to Lake City. And so if you have a, a five-star candidate in Lake City and a five-star candidate in Los Angeles, who should you focus on? Well, that's probably pretty clear. But, you know, 
the focus in California is something that I think people can take a look at and say, that kind of process concerns me because I don't necessarily think that that's where you would want to focus. But again, we'll know pretty soon. I mean, you know, these, um, you know, if, if he brings in three or four people from California, the um, the strategy pays off. I just think it's a high variance strategy, right? You, yeah. It's very likely you'd end up with zero. It's pretty likely you'd end up with four. Um, you know, so what if, if you're recruiting people specifically from Florida, you know, and you're recruiting four different guys, what's the probability you end up with all four? I think it's more likely you'd end up with those guys you'd end up with all four more often recruiting them straight from Florida. However, if the guys in California have a lot more talent, then maybe it's worth doing that. And that's sort of the calculation that Mullen's making. Right. So we will uh, don't have, uh, yeah, we got a little while left, but I'll go ahead and get to the, the poll and the feedback. I want to get to as much feedback as we can. So so many people sent, uh, sent their thoughts in as well uh, on this topic. So uh, last week sent out, you know, I was just trying to gauge the fan base here. Are you concerned about recruiting for the 2019 class as it stands right now? And that was, I think, last Thursday when I sent that out. So out of 2,678 votes, 58% said yes, they were concerned, and 42% said no. And I will put the uh, disclaimer out there. I'm pretty sure some Mississippi State, Georgia, Tennessee fans got a hold of this poll as well. So take those results, you know, however you may, before I noticed they jumped in, it was pretty close to 50, 50. So I think, you know, that's, that's probably uh, for Florida fans, I say it's pretty split. Uh, but I do know some rival fan bases got, got into that poll uh, somewhere uh, along the way. So they could have skewed the results, maybe not, uh, but uh, that's how it went uh, there. So going into uh, some of the uh, uh, tweets that was sent our way, Matt Wetmore, uh, sent, oh, Willie isn't having any issues at a new school that sucked last year. It's scary to say, but I think he's going to need a big year to get the hype because whatever he's selling isn't working as of now. Next year might be the most talent he's had for a few years with this recruiting. Uh, Hogan Barris, yes, I agree that a lot of guys are in wait-and-see mode, but we don't have time to wait around for fall when top targets are being plucked by other schools. But at the same time, we don't need to take bad takes to fill up the class it's a double-edged sword. I thought that was a pretty interesting thought there, Will. Is you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the targets are going to dwindle, and, and you mentioned you know, targets have already kind of dwindled going back to years past, mostly probably because of early signing day. Uh, but you, you, you know, you don't want to just settle uh, for the, the for the, the you know the guys you that are not high on your board. But if you're not getting the guy, the guys that are high on your board, hopefully you evaluated the other guys and they're just, you know, close to the same kind of fit. Sure. I mean, the other thing is, is what's the goal for Florida next year? I mean, they've, they've basically averaged top 15 talent. Um, Mullen mm-hmm. showed an ability to get that kind of production out of his teams when he's had that kind of talent level. And, you know, so again, from a, what are our expectations for the team? I don't think they're going four and seven again. No, I, I just don't. Not. And, and so, you know, what kind of improvement can we expect to see? Um, I think it'll be significant, but you know, at some point you got to get up with those big boys. Otherwise you're just not gonna be able to consistently compete. Yep. All right. Uh, Gator rage. Uh, look at how many people or look at how many programs get hot after being average or bad. People forget the Clemson jokes years ago or how terrible Miami was or Alabama before Saban. It takes the right coach and transformational players to springboard the, the process. We got set back with the Greer debacle. 
uh, the Swamp Thing, uh, big recruiting guy there. So uh, thanks for him, uh, you know, checking us out. Uh, I think there is reason for concern. There was a lot of hype around the program, but not a lot of blue chip commits. Cannot survive at UF with ten to fifteen ranked classes. If things don't improve by August first, it could get dicey. Chase Matthews, I'm not worried about it one bit. Other teams are going to land kids too. Pickering is one we wanted for sure, but I've never seen him leaving the state. And Rambo Hunter is going to whatever team tells him he is the best player uh, they ever saw. The rest will fall into place, hopefully. So uh, <laughs> a little shot there, Will, at uh, at Hunter uh, for committing the FSU. And tell you what, that, that recruitment, I don't think so over by any means. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would imagine that's that's probably true. Um you know, but but I also think to say that that's not somebody we wanted is probably not necessarily accurate either. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a top 200 talent, and um, you know maybe the staff has decided to move on from him, and and that's that's an okay thing. But you know, to say oh he's not going to be a take, you know, I think in some capacity you need the best players you can get. All right, James Watson sends uh, staff has had a parade of four and five stars talent talent visiting on campus the past several months. They get a decent share of those guys at the right positions to commit. This could end up being top ten class. No panic yet, but concerning other first year coaches at FSU slash Tennessee are off to better starts. Um, Jake Gungrich, um, hopefully I said his name right there. Anybody who isn't at least slightly concerned hasn't learned their lesson from the past two coaches. I've sipped the Kool Aid the past two tenures and have finally learned my lesson now. Show me results. Will, there's our uh, postmortem McElwain uh, there. It's, uh, the, the, uh, we, you know, we've joked about how McElwain has kind of scarred the fan base and maybe a lot of what we saw into Jim McElwain and, and, and the defense of Jim McElwain at times with average recruiting. And, you know, a lot of people warned that, hey, look, it, it wasn't good enough. We saw the defense fall off once Will Muschamp's players went away filled in with the type of players and, you know, the joke going around there, Randy specials and all that and how the defense fell off. You know, maybe it is um, a lot to do with seeing, you know, while Will Muschamp's classes were highly ranked, you know, didn't really recruit the offensive side of the ball very well. And Jim McQueen overall, especially on the defensive side, you know, kind of the talent falling uh, by the wayside there, still not finding a quarterback. So maybe it is just a lot of, of what happened these past two regimes kind of leaving scars on the Florida fan base. Sure. I think people have become, I think, I think as a fan, when you see stuff going wrong, you are much more likely to take a close look and try to figure out why, as opposed to when you're winning and you're just like, awesome, this guy's winning. <laughs> I'm going to just ride with him because he's winning. And so I think probably some of us have gotten myself included, have gotten, have gotten smarter about looking at this stuff and saying, what are the key indicators for success? Now that doesn't mean that, there's only one way to do it. I think Dabo Swinney at Clemson has proven there are other ways to do it. The other thing is, is that, you know, national championships are not the only way to measure your program. Right now I'd settle for entertaining. <laughs> the offense was so boring last year that just entertaining would be a major step up. And, and if you look at Spurrier, I mean, he went nine and two in his first, or yeah, nine and two in his first year, they wound up ranked 13th at the end of the year, seventh, 10th, fifth, seventh, then second and first. So in his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh year, he wins a national championship, but obviously there was a steady climb, but you know, Florida has talent that, can finish 13th this year. That would match what Spurrier did in his first year. And, you know, they can have conceivably have talent to get up to seventh next year. All right. And Brendan Cisneros, 
um, says, uh, I hope I said his name right. I'll probably pronounce or mispronounce a lot of these names here. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, he says, I'm concerned not only because of the early signing period, however, and I mean this to our entire fan base, um, love the commits we get no matter star power or rank. We need them. They need to see that. Uh, Robert Cousins, uh, a little bit, yes, but some good wins this year can change all of that. Just important to get an elite class because we have a lot returning to go with it for the 2019 season, including a developed Emory Jones. Uh, check the logo, low-key 850. He goes, I'll get concerned if we aren't in top 12 uh, at the end of next month. Um, kind of going by your August 1st uh, deadline there, Will. Uh, bathroom break. Uh, that's kind of a funny name on Twitter. Uh, uh, less of a yes and no question. I think everybody should be concerned. It's just to what degree. I think we, I, I think we'll end up with a top 15 class still, but that's not not the Florida standard. So uh, I kind of do like that. Will you know that I, I have seen you know some people share their thoughts was yes we're concerned, but let's wait and kind of like what bathroom break saying is there maybe a, a degree of concern. Well, I mean. There's really no other option other than to wait at this point. I mean, you know, Mullen, we're we're already paying McIlwain because we didn't like the job he was doing, and uh, you know, there there's four years of this, regardless of what it is. Now we can take a look at it and say, hey, this is a place where somebody can improve, just like we would if we looked at a game and said, hey, they're not getting the ball to their playmakers, or hey, they're doing a very good job of getting the ball to their players, or look at what this, look at what they did on a formation to open up a guy on in the flat. You know, I mean, all those things are things we can evaluate and look at. At the end of the day, he's the coach, and he's going to be the coach for a long time. And again, I, I don't think that top 15 or top 10 talent can't win consistently across college football, but I think winning consistently in the SEC, which, you know, you got to get through Georgia and Alabama in order to get the national championship. And if that's the goal, I think we need to reset our expectations in terms of when that might happen. All right. A few more here uh, from Maverick. Uh, I think these guys are swinging for the fences and with these out of state guys, but are recruiting Florida and Georgia hard. They have backup plans. We will be fine. Winning cures all. Plus, it's not over with these kids necessarily. It's just June. Ryan Cushman, I'm sure facility upgrades are vital in this entire process. I am confident Mullen will get the right guys to fit his system. A solid home field environment and play on the field should lead to optimism. A lot can change in nine months. Uh, Bandit says, uh, the danger we face, in my opinion, is we will start making excuses for all misses. Quote, close to home, other guys on board, grades, etc. I know we've said it before, but this class must be top 10 and really needed to be top five. The path to get there keeps growing more narrow. Well, I think that's another thing, I guess, probably my expectation. You know, the expectation has changed, I guess, since from the end of last signing day to this, you know, what we're seeing now. You know, I think we pretty much can kiss uh, a top five class goodbye uh, now. So it's adjusting expectations here, uh, you know, still hoping, wishing for a top 10 class. As we said, there, there is uh, a, a scenario uh, they can get there. Uh, but, you know, uh, as a whole, we'll, we'll see where it goes when it gets all the way to, to February. But, you know, when we, as a, and I pointed out earlier, the, the process of a fast turnaround may not be what's happening here. Yeah. 
Sure. And that, and that's not, I mean, that's not a denigration to Mullen. Plenty of people have pointed out there are facilities issues. There are budgetary issues. There's coming off of four and seven season. You've got a strength and conditioning program that apparently was a joke. Um, there's probably some disciplinary issues, I'm guessing, within the team. If And we haven't really heard anything about that. But obviously, we had the credit card scandal last year, and some of those things that need to be cleaned up as well. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any illusions that this isn't a tough thing to do. At the same time, you're getting paid six million dollars a year to take the criticism of people who who see things that aren't necessarily, um, you know, commensurate with what you've, you know, with with what is usually necessary to compete at the highest level in the SEC. Um, you know, to get to a top five class before August, he's probably going to have to sign eight top 300 guys. That would be indicative that they're going to be able to get to a top, to a, you know, to a, to a top five class. So no, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're really talking somewhere between seven and nine best case scenario. We're probably talking somewhere between nine and 12 is realistic. And then if it's less than 12, well, that's a different kind of recalibration in terms of, <laughs> in terms of what we're, uh, in terms of what our expectations are, because that's right where Jim McElwain was in year two. And I think people have realized over, over time that, that, that over time that really does start to take its toll. You can have a class in the 12s every once in a while, but if they're always in the 12s, that's kind of where you're going to end up. And, you know, same thing. If it's always number one, that's kind of where you're always going to end up. And, you know, Alabama doesn't win every year. <laughs> even though they've almost always got the best recruiting class. So it's not as if you don't play it on the field. It's not as if coaching and development and those sorts of things don't matter, but man, it helps to have the blue blood guys there. And, you know, we'll see, we'll come back and revisit, I'm sure August, you know, sometime in August after Friday night lights and we'll see where we're at. Yeah. I always make this lighthearted joke. Yes. Recruiting and develop developing matters. I'd rather develop four and five stars than three stars. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's always it's always nice to have uh, to have extra bullets in the chamber, and and you know, last year the national championship game was a great example. I mean, Alabama brings a guy off the bench to play quarterback who leads him to a national championship to replace the SEC Player of the Year from the year before. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like uh, if that backfires, I mean, literally, you took out the SEC Player of the Year who played all year at halftime to put in a true freshman. Um, to, to play the game. I mean, the only way you can do that is if you have an unbelievable talent back there, and then Saban did. All right. Get the rest of these tweets out here before we get out of here. Uh, Dustin Woolbright, I voted no. It's June. You don't have to be concerned or excited. There's many other perspectives in between, and it's not worth losing sleep over. Uh, Sean, our good friend Sean Steed there. Uh, Steed Designs, uh, still time to flip, guys. Nothing is final till February. Uh, Lake City Gator, I'm definitely concerned. If you voted no, show me what I have to be excited about. Uh, JJ Gatorman, I'm teetering on starting to be concerned, but the sky is definitely not falling. There are legitimate reasons why Pickering decided to stay close to family. Uh, Nathan Thayer, uh, we have time. I think if more pieces aren't starting to fall into place by the end of July, I will be a little more worried going into the season. Uh, last few here, uh, Swamp Squad at JP3 uh, Gatorbait. Nope, I remember when this class was number one at one point. I believe if they let their play on the field through the talking will be all right come December and February. Uh, Christopher Coots, I think Pickering hurt, but I still think it's early. If things don't go positive after Friday Night Lights, then that's when you should start to be concerned. Most teams will have their classes 75% filled before the season starts. Uh, first name Dawson. Um, Dave, I'm not sure anyone is all that concerned about the state of our recruiting, but I'd be lying if I wasn't concerned about UGA's recruiting. 
Uh, Preston Fuller, we're losing top targets. Doesn't look too inspiring, in my opinion. TD Bostic, negative, though I'm a patient and relaxed fan. I think our efforts will bear fruit soon. Uh, last one, Blake H. Uh, if we're in the same spot when the season starts, then yes, I will be concerned. We should all sit tight and see how July goes before we hit the panic button. So, Will, as I said, a split fan base and uh, their tweets and everything uh, pretty much bared that out. Yeah, I mean, you know, th this really wasn't like people were sort of, I think, sitting back and willing to take a patient stand until this past week when guys started committing who had been linked to Florida, at least in the past. And none of those guys were choosing Florida. And so, you know, if Pickering had chosen Florida, if if Hunter had chosen Florida, though, again, I know there's some other stuff there. If Stingley had chosen Florida, again, I know you're trying to pull somebody out of Louisiana, but that's the strategy they've chosen to take this 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 off season and so since they've taken that strategy we have to expect like the expectation is they're gonna have to pull some of those guys out of those places that you wouldn't typically get people because that's where a lot of their resources and a lot of their focus has gone but anyway if stingley if hunter if if pickering had chosen florida this is a completely different conversation i mean at that point you're talking six of 13 guys who are who are top 300 and, and it's just a completely different story. I mean, you know, you, at that point you're talking 46% top 300 guys and it's a very, very different, different tone. And so, you know, I, I think you don't ever want to overreact to two or three guys. That's why I wrote the article. In fact, I wrote the article thinking I was going to say, you got to wait until December. Really? You're not going to know where this class is going to end up until early signing day. Turns out I'm wrong. <laughs> that, that that it's really earlier than that that you know, and and so we'll know pretty much right after Friday Night Lights, and and we'll see where we are there. All right, well, uh, of course, you mentioned uh, the article uh, you've been uh, that you posted at readreaction.com. Uh, anything else coming up there anytime soon? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a film breakdown of Jalen Jones, the four-star quarterback that you had on the show last week, and then also, um, you know, just sort of talking about what he can do that's different than the guys who are currently on the roster. So that's what's probably coming up this week. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I don't know what we'll do next week. It's the Fourth of July, uh, all that good stuff. So uh, we'll we'll throw something out there. I'm working on something behind the scenes that may be kind of a. Uh, recap of uh, some great stats and stuff that we found uh, uh, when Dan Mullen was first hired and all that good stuff. So, but we'll see uh, what happens next week. But with the holiday, probably expect something some something a little different next week. So, uh, Will, uh, another good show, my friend. Yeah, man, it's always fun. Always fun talking Gator football, talking recruiting, and you know, we can we can we can stand at the ledge <laughs> for a few more weeks until until we have to jump. So. So don't jump yet, anybody. I'm not ready to jump, and, and you shouldn't be either. But uh, but it'll be interesting to see where we are in about a month. All right. And we're almost crazy. SEC Media Days in about a couple of weeks. <laughs> hey, man, it's it's counting down. It's counting down. Before too long, it's going to be getting cold here. <laughs> all right. All right. That's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. And as I mentioned, uh, he's mentioned before, you can find his articles at readandreaction.com. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>